Blog Talk Radio. Time but same attitude here on Block Talk Radio. It is Fanatic Radio. We are back for year 2014, live from Media Production Center by Radio Saigon. Host Michael Gardner, Ben Florence, Graham Burns, the original crew, sponsored by KFC, is back, ready to roll. Back in school, back on the airwaves, back online as well. Had to get to the paywall, but we managed to do it. Thank you for Blog Talk Radio. But good to be back, Ben. Wait, we're sponsored by KFC? The new uh, to-go cup. I want one of those. Exactly. Grant, how was your Christmas break? It was filled with Christmas cheer. Yeah. Did you go home and do anything fun? Um, I mean, I got some presents. That's really, that's really nice. Cool. What'd you get? Um, I got this fantastic pair of socks, I must say. They're extremely comfortable. Like, really thick wool socks. Yeah, they're well-knitted. Like grandma's craftsmanships. Very nice. As you can see, I got a new Mac computer, so gone the days of the slow internet connection and the unreliability, which was the Dell. We are now gone to the cloud. And we'll... Mac sucks. Let's be frank. Well, no, everything in here is a Mac. I don't care. You're just saying because you don't have a Mac. Well, I don't want a Mac. How come? Macs are so overrated, so overpriced. It's funny, my mom was like, when we went to the Mac store, she was like, I hate everything about this store. She's like, this is some weird aura about walking of into course. an Apple store. Yeah, of course. We go into a Whole Foods or, or Starbucks. Which is now on campus. Yeah. Disgraceful. Opening up. There's one thing this school needs is another freaking coffee shop. They already sell Starbucks coffee. Yeah, they do. In two different That's locations. crap. Exactly. But, uh, you know, there's so many great opportunities to get real good food. Like Wendy's. Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. I love a Chick-fil-A. Of course. Wouldn't you love a Chick-fil-A? I would love a Chick-fil-A. Thank you. You know, also, uh, I can't even think of a segue for that, but you know, you can start the show at AU Athletic. I'd probably kill it. And the men's basketball team, huge win over Boston Wednesday night. For the Ooh. first time ever, they have an undefeated record in the Patriot League, 7-0. and behind. Are they going to be ranked? No, not probably. ranked. Probably. They're 11-7. Anyway, here's what head coach Mike Brennan and guards Ooh. Darius Gardner and Jesse Reed had to say today's win. Happy with our effort today. I thought the guys moved the ball. Um, I think their hard work is showing. Uh, Pee Wee made a bunch of open shots. Uh, so I just thought we, you know, we played well offensively, and then we were able to stop them. And like I said, every guy has prepared himself. You know, I feel confident that we can we can put them in the game and, and feel good about it. You know, we got shooters, so uh, shooting is not a problem. Um, last game, you can tell we was missing a couple of shots, but we got back in the gym. We all got back in the gym and, you know, took initiative to uh, shoot more shots. I mean, I guess we were just feeling good. Just being able to knock down a couple shots gets your confidence up, and then makes you want to shoot more. And we just, we, had, I mean kept making them. <laughs> There's really no other explanation except for, you know, I mean, we were feeling pretty good. You know, that's a good team. You know, they're not, you know, they wasn't undefeated for no reason. Um, they could have made a run, you know, so we just stick with it and uh, defend it well. I think we defended well and we made a lot of shots tonight. This is an American Eagles team that won 86-56, one of the biggest wins ever in the Patriot League wins for the Eagles. This is also a team that Shot lights out from the floor, 71%, 75% from the free throw line, and over 70% from behind the arc. Ben, and both of you guys, we got to look at your attendance for this game, as I was. I mean, I was in the production room from Patriot League Network. But this, is, this is the, uh, this is probably the best you'll ever see from the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, especially uh, this year. Like I told a friend of mine, any time you're streaming above 70%, period, that's, 
you, when you're shooting 70% and your opponents are shooting 32%, I think you're going to win the game. That And I, like, I, like I was telling you, I was telling friends of mine, I was completely shocked. Because, you know, Boston's a very good team. They beat Maryland. They beat Maryland. This BU team is really good. And for us to come in and play the best basketball game I've ever seen out of them, and probably a lot of us will ever see out of them, because it, you can't describe how insanely good they were across the board. Yeah, it's so bizarre. Three players with 15 points or more. But I'm not going to play. And Grand, Boston was an undefeated team. Are you surprised that not only did we win, we won by 30? I mean, if you look at the shooting percentages, it's like, no doubt. Like, are you kidding me? 78% from three, 71% from the floor. Like, I mean, clearly Boston might have had a little bit of a defensive lapse in there. But, I mean, American lacks a lot of true natural athletes on their team. But what they lack in athleticism, they truly make up for with their shooting ability. So. And it really, they really proved themselves uh, Wednesday night with that. They had a two-army this weekend, and that's a team that started all five freshmen last year and beat the Eagles in the Patriot League tournament by 30 points. Mm-hmm. Are you nervous that this would be their first loss of the year in the Patriot League? Um, when we play uh, BU? No, Army on Saturday. Oh, Army? Um, you definitely have that concern. You know, you're coming off such a huge win that it could be a potential letdown performance. And Army is a solid team. We, and Army always plays us tough. That's another thing. Whenever we go against Army, usually they give us a good good battle, especially now going on the road after such a huge high. So um, I think they I think they really got to be careful and not start thinking ahead and getting too ahead of themselves. You know, you topped out in the Patriot League, so now everyone's gunning for you. After all, we were projected to, what, finish eighth in the conference? Ninth. Ninth? Nice. So they got to they got to stay on top and to do that they can't uh, event, uh you know the famous saying don't sweat the small stuff but now when you're playing these smaller teams you got to sweat the small stuff because they're going to throw out everything they can now because everyone's gunning for American right now. Another interesting thing, Graham, looking at the final statistics of this game is the minutes where you have. Uh, Kiwi, Shelf, and Jesse Reed all playing over 35 minutes, and they do that night in, night out for every game. What is uh, what could happen first? The Eagles run the table and go undefeated in the Patriot League, or will the wear and tear of the starting five eventually catch up to them? Well, Bassett has been a extremely reliable backup. He outscored two of the starters, so I don't. They have a solid six-man rotation. And if they can get some bigger minutes out of other guys, they'll be fine. Uh, I mean, you see a lot of the top teams in the top 25 going with seven- and eight-man rotations, so I don't think the situation is any different. Uh, The one thing I am concerned about is the letdown on Saturday because after last night's win, you hear whispers of NCAA tournament possibilities because that's just – like, that's just – It's too early. We're not even reaching the halfway point in the page early. We have not. Yeah, and I think that's a concern that people need to realize. Mm-hmm. It's not only if we I mean, first of all we have to play every team again. We have to go up to Boston to play them, and the fact that we won by thirty, one this this, one, this stat line will never happen again. No, uh, twice, and then even further, you'd have to play Boston potentially a third time in the Patriot League Championship turn in the game, and it's not only enough to beat them once, but if you can beat them three times, I think that's what you will run into. Mike Brennan has done a fantastic job in his first season. Absolutely, and we saw on Twitter after the game from guys like our good friend Chris Fatola, CBS Sports Network, John Rostein also of CBSSN, who's like the college basketball insider, and saying that Mike Brennan deserves a ton of credit because for the most part, with the exception of the great Pee Wee Gardner, who has been sensational all season long, especially, and I was surprised at how good he was how well he shot from behind the arc. Mm-hmm. Beyond the arc. Cause they're, uh, earlier in the year, because uh, he gets a lot of open shots, because teams uh, are not worried about him shooting and worried more about Gatha Show. Jesse Reed has been tremendous in his own right. Uh, we've got a lot of good contributions, really across the board. And But I think Mike Brennan, because this is very similar to the team last year that that was not very good and went out early in the Patriot League tournament. Now we've got him 7-0 for the first time ever in his first year as coach. So I think thus far, um, 
he's he's probably not a high profile guy to get coach of the year, but he's definitely doing one of the best jobs in America right now. I think coach of the year in the national scale. Yeah. Oh, so he definitely coached the Patriots. Well, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think he's a lock. Wednesday's win definitely secured that because Boston was. I don't know what the spread was, but they were beating every Patriot League opponent by double digits or more. And then just to get blown out in front of a good crowd. Good crowd. A great crowd. Good crowd. I think that's too often. Yeah, exactly. The next big men's basketball game, I mean, I don't think it would be until Bucknell comes down here. Of course, next Wednesday, uh, Chipotle night. Yep. As we take on Ed Zichellis and the Navy Midshipmen. We love Navy. We love Ed Zichellis. Great last year I got a the free burrito coupon and I don't think I ever cashed it in. So really they expi- they expire? Uh pretty soon expired. I think it's I, I think it's at home too, so oh, yeah. that's Definitely. fine. We'll roll forward. Head from the uh hardwood to the gridiron. The Super Bowl is set next weekend. Set terrible segue. But that's the Seahawks and the Broncos. Two number one seeds. Duking it out in the Meadowlands in New Jersey. Damn right. And not in New York. Yeah. So so concerned of some forecasts. This is a 30% chance of snow. Oh, yeah. USA Today uh, released an article yesterday saying the NFL would be down to move it to Saturday. Yeah, there are reports that if it's really bad weather, they, they're they looking possibly, in case, move it to Saturday or move it to Monday. I think the, a real concern with bad weather is with the halftime show. Because mm-hmm. you don't want, like, a massive snowstorm because they've got to move a lot of equipment in a short amount of time. We even saw, people thought it was problematic that uh, the uh, Colts-Bears Super Bowl in uh, Miami Gardens at what was that, Dolphin Stadium, that was Sun Life Stadium, and that was like a rainstorm. Yeah. It wasn't that serious, but there were fears that there would be lightning. And there were, well, there were footing issues all through that game, too. Exactly. Yeah. I remember I it was just ugly. Yeah, the first touchdown the Colts scored in that game, I remember whoever was covering Reggie Wayne just fell down yeah. in coverage, whoever it was. So. Concern the weather? Will it be concerned next week? I doubt it. Uh, I think I think because generally the NFL has been lucky when we've had outdoor tents in potentially questionable areas. I think it's going to be cold. I think that you may see a little bit of snow, but I don't think we're going to see a blizzard. I don't think we're, we're going to see what we saw, uh, you know, like a month ago in Philadelphia mm-hmm. and Baltimore yeah. and FedEx Field. That was like when guys fell down and just disappeared. Yeah. You have no idea yeah. where they were. Uh, excited for the two teams that are in it. I uh, I am because uh, what's interesting is that you don't see it too often. You got the number one offense go, uh, Denver going up against the number one yeah. defense. You got uh, two teams with the best records in football. Absolutely, and two that have been consistently the strongest teams all year. So I think this uh, I think you've got the the notion of a very good. Okay, I think actually whoever they got out of the championship games was going to yeah. be a good matchup because both championship games, after, well, actually the AFC championship is awful, but I think whoever they got out of that was going to end up giving us a, a good show. Yeah, I feel like both the championship games were almost surrogate Super Bowls, even though uh, the AFC championship didn't exactly live up to the billing of Brady versus Manning. It did get inter- a little interesting towards the end. I would have liked to have seen the Patriots get the two-point conversion and possibly tighten it up a little bit, make it but and make a little bit of a nail biter, but that didn't happen. I'm really interested to see the Peyton Manning, Richard Sherman. Uh the contrast between those two guys is absolutely ridiculous. And thinking about what the the criticism of Richard Sherman that's gone on this week, they talked about how if uh Peyton Manning had said those kind of things after he de- after he defeated Tom Brady, like who, like, what would we be saying then? And I think, like, I don't know, either either side of the argument, you can take either side, but I think the people who are defending Sherman here uh, really have to look at what if another player did this, like, how would we feel? So. What are your thoughts on the Richard Sherman comment? On that? Um, I was initially critical. Uh, the first part, I thought it was kind of ridiculous uh, that he was just, he goes on. I mean, I understand he just made an awesome play to uh, end the game. Get his team to the Super Bowl. So I know right in the heat of the moment, you know, he's going, you know, he's uh, amped up. But if he had, uh, but I felt like the fact that he was like going after Crabtree directly, yeah. I felt like he kind of made it about himself. Yeah. That's the team. And, and then all the conversation was about him. He then backtracked when he was talking, ultimately calmed down. And, but now the whole thing is, is he a thug? All this nonsense. I'm like, I was critical of it. 
but I'm like, I don't think Sherman's a bad guy. I thought what he did in the heat of the moment was wrong, but and but you know, to me, it's not a huge deal now. It's like, oh, it's just fuck. He's a bad guy, which I'm like. I mean, and, and let's be honest. If, if this was a white player that did that, would he be called a thug? Or would he be called like some like scrappy or something like that? Because they always talk about white guys and scrappy. So I think Bill Romanowski. Yeah, I always yeah. think there's a little bit of uh, a race thing. I, I don't like to play the race card too much, but I think that uh, Jason Smith. I think that the, uh, uh, ultimately much ado about nothing. He and Crabtree have had back and forth for years. I'm sure if they got Crabtree, if he caught a touchdown there, I think he could have been a little he, fired up. I think he would have said something. So, I mean, ultimately, I don't th- I didn't think it was a big deal. I mean, I put on my blog, I got some cheap Patriots out of it, which is always fantastic. But all in all, I think it's it really is ultimately much to do with nothing. And once we get to next week, at least beyond media day, I, I don't know if this will be a big sh- Story. Well, I think Fox made a poor choice with who they interviewed there. That's I really, I really think you shouldn't have a guy who is just. They should have had Russell Wilson or somebody. And Aaron Andrews. Marshawn Lynch had a great game. Marshawn Lynch. And the fact that Richard Sherman, he made one play the entire game, and like, I, I just think, like, right when the game ended, and they were, go- I knew they were going to do one of those player interviews. I'm like, please don't let it be Richard Sherman because you know something's going to happen. And that's just. And Aaron Andrews' expression when he said those things was just the funniest thing in the world. Because she just, she just didn't know what to say after he said that. And but the thing is, I got to give Aaron Andrews credit. Like, there are a lot of people. Like I've heard criticizing. You see Jeff Perlman. So Kevin Harlan uh, criticized her, saying that she's being like a drama queen. Like Aaron Andrews after said it was awesome, and I thought she handled it pretty well. She asked a follow up question, like, "Who's calling you out?" And she kept her composure. She yeah. didn't like, uh, like panic. I think Fox ultimately made a solid decision to say, because Fox basically said uh, it was getting dangerous and we didn't know what was going to happen next, so we decided to bag out of it, which I think is fine. You know, I think Fox made a solid, you know, they've done this before. And I think Aaron Andrews, you know, people always give her a lot of crap, but I think she handled herself pretty well during that. Uh, little spiel. Well, I'm the best corner of the game. And when you find me with a star and receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Don't you ever talk about me. Who was talking about you? Crabtree, don't you open your mouth about the best. Or you're on the center for you real quick. L-O-B. Beyond that norm, even if I, again, still don't agree with what he uh, ultimately said, but all in all, uh, much ado about nothing, I think, in the grand scheme of things. I think it's detracting from the Super Bowl and the fact that the Seahawks and the Broncos who have gone completely under the radar during this. Yeah, they com- they completely shut down the Patriots, yeah. which was, I mean, it was a good home field advantage from both teams, but they picked apart the Patriots' defense. Which, so a lot of people were surprised they got there. What happens to the losing teams now? New England and... Well, first of all, a New England team with no Gronkowski. Yeah. And then relatively new receivers. Yeah. Had uh, Mike Gambardell growing gray hairs. Has his pass his receiving the great Mike Gambardell. Couldn't catch a pass during the beginning of the season. Yeah. Is we talked about this last year too when New England was bounced from the playoffs. Uh-huh. Is how close is the twilight of Tom Brady's career? I think that what we saw this year, I don't think we're we're going to see. That he can lead anyone, pretty much, anyone to the pretty much the fact that with that team, with all the issues they had at the skill positions, that ultimately they still won the division, which and not that surprising. But the fact that they got a bye and they beat the Broncos too, beat the Broncos in that classic game, and thus I think that Tom Brady is going to come out next year and have even more to prove now than uh, he did because. They did all this, and now everyone, all the, all those rookie receivers are having another year of experience. Everyone gets used to it. They're going to have some problem more skill position players. No coaches on the left. Exactly. So I think New England is still in good shape. And Brady has shown he's still got it. He didn't play great in the AFC Championship game, but he's still got what it takes. Well, the, the emergence of their run game is really going to be critical uh, these last few years of his career. And I think the Patriots really need to reload next year because Brady essentially has done this with three rotations of players. He did it with that team from, like, 01 to 05-ish with the Teddy Bruschi team. The Deion Branch. The, 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 the overachieving. Yeah, the the overachieving. they were a very overachieving team. And Corey Dillon. And now then he had the, the most ridiculous, one of the most ridiculous NFL offenses of all time with Randy Moss and Wes Walker. 
And uh, and now with Gronkowski, Hernandez, with them, I mean, Gronkowski is going to come back, but we never, the Patriots might deal him for another skill, another skill position because he may never be the same again. So really the running game will be the key these next, maybe next year because although they might be able to pick up uh, a higher profile receiver because this year they Kembrell Tompkins was an unsigned free agent who they brought in and expected to be a number one receiver, which didn't make any sense. But Brady, Brady made it work, and uh, so next year they're really going. I think they're going to have to do some work in free agency, especially at the wide receiver position. Mm-hmm. I agree. They got some good guys though. Amadola, Dobson, they played well this year. Yeah, but I really think that. I wonder what would have happened with this team had they not let Wes Walker go. Look at that. Because they let him go over some money, and usually. You see, it's Brady took a pay cut at the beginning of the year. Yeah, you, you would have thought in New England, like, all right, what, is there something wrong with Walker? Why are they just letting him go when there's no reason to? And it, it did hurt them a little bit because the receiving core was inconsistent. But you know, and then, and then the San Francisco 49ers, three times they've made it to the NFC Championship game, yep. which is amazing. Yeah. Jim Harbaugh has a great team. This is, this is also a team that last year, Colin Kaepernick was new, had his first full season, still got to the championship game. Could he make another run next year? Absolutely. I think that uh, in the coming years, I think it's going to be really fun to watch Colin Kaepernick because now he's going to become more and more comfortable under center throwing the football. Because now he's, uh, you know, such a threat on the perimeter with his legs. But the thing is, he's got a huge arm. When he came out in the draft a few years ago, he had the strongest arm tested at the draft. And he could really throw the long ball. We all well, we all saw the touchdown pass they had both exactly. championship game. That went right off of Earl Thomas's hands and just went right through him. That was a bullet he threw. Yeah, and they do need to do a little retooling on defense. You got some guys getting old, like Justin Smith, Petty Willis, a little uh, depth in the secondary. This is still because uh, Jim Harbaugh has shown himself to be one awesome head coach. And that team's definitely a team to be going forward. I think their biggest question mark next year will be Frank Gore. The guy, he went, before the years of Colin Kaepernick, when you had the Sean Hills, I don't even know, they had like five quarterbacks. In oh, cool. Tim Rattay. Tim Rattay. J.T. O'Sullivan. I mean, Frank Gore was their leading receiver and rusher. So yeah, a thousand yards when he So had. he's had over 3,000 carries in his career now. <laughs> so the guy, and you definitely saw the last two games of the playoffs, he ran for not even combined 100 yards in those last two and, games. And the cool thing about Frank Gore is that people worried about his durability coming out of college. Yeah. He had a lot of injuries in college. But now he's been such a horse. And I think the fact that he was always so banged up, I think it's helped him keep stay fresher. He doesn't have the tolls of being a huge carry guy in college as well. So, But he's just been awesome throughout his career. Just a horse. And the final thing, uh, football-related, we'll talk about the Super Bowl in the Meadowlands next week after mm-hmm. media day and everything. The final thing I definitely want to talk about is the Pro Bowls this weekend. Ooh. Was it not the worst spectacle watching the Pro Bowl draft? Ben, we completely gripped it. Graham, what are your takes on it? I just, it just, oh, God. It was just so bad. I'm sorry. It's just. Is it, I think it's is it unfair to see uh, guys from the same team on different sides. I just. I just don't. They're trying to make it like the NHL because the NHL gets some excitement for the All-Star game. Yeah. But that's they also have, like, the trick shot competition. They have the mm-hmm. skill competition. And it's just the NFL doesn't have the same allure because you can't do that kind of stuff. And the thing is with the NHL All-Star, like, I do like the fantasy draft concept. It's just that they actually do it like a fantasy draft. Like, when you're playing men, you do all the rounds. And this was your picking by position. It was really a draft. It was like, it was yeah, like you know, all right, all right, you got these guys, you got 30 seconds. And, I mean, uh, and where do they come up with? I mean, Deion Sanders has just gotten so insufferable over the years. Yeah. He's, it's, everything he does is always about himself. He's always promoting himself. It's just like Leon Sandcastle at the combine. But yeah. that was, that's what made it great because he – Deion Sanders is the kind of guy that would do that. I would not put that past, something like that past him. And he's like, oh, I'm going to play the Pro Bowl. Jerry Rice is better play. And Jerry's like, no. And then the NFL was like, no, you're, you're not playing in that. And then where did Jerry Rice come from? I mean, it's just so Yeah, they took two polar opposite personalities. Well, it's interesting. It's well, it'd be one thing if they did uh, Hall of Famers from previous decades. Yeah. Guys from like the 80s or the 70s. These are guys that. Or if you have the coaches do it. Who are the coaches? 
Uh, I believe it's just Chuck Pagano and I don't know who the NFC coach is. But I feel like that would have been cool if you had NFL co- the coaches do it. Mm-hmm. Or just have, like, the NHL where you have an actual player that's a captain. Yeah, they've made, they've made it more about Sanders and Wright than they have made it about the players. And it, I mean, in the Pro Bowl, all in all, it's just a disgrace. I mean, it, it needs to go away. Football does not work with uh, an all-star game because nobody wants to get hurt. You have all these silly rules. You can't do the no, no kickoffs, yeah. Yeah. which hurt, which hurt uh, like Dexter McCluster and uh, that Pat Cortland and Patterson, the guy Cordero Patterson, yeah, Cordero Patterson, the guy from the Vikings. Uh, last thing before we go to break, if you had to take anything to the Pro Bowl, what would it be besides getting rid of it? Um, I don't even know. Like. Grant would get rid of this is right on the spot. Slow, what would you get rid of? Uh, uh, what I would do is make it a real fantasy draft and have them drafted by the coaches at the game. I like flag football. That could work. Or like the sand football game, they always have with those like sealer celebrities. They like to work. Well, don't they? They have the uh, former Hall of Fame players play flag football before the Pro Bowl. Yeah, they yeah. Had no idea. What or they like before it. the Super Bowl. Yeah, or like yeah, maybe that's what. Yeah, like. they play like a little sand field. Yeah, it's actually kind of fun. I like to see flag football. That'd be cool. Yeah, you hate flag because, football because no, we love flag football. Because even the fact that, as I think one AT writer said two years ago, it was like a pillow fight. Because nobody was tackling yeah. it. That's it. We have solved things on Fanatic Radio. They better just get rid of it altogether. Absolutely. Because there's already, there's already an all-pro. Yeah. Why would it be a pro bowl? And, of course, it's an absolute laughing stock right now. But we'll come back, we'll come back on the flip side. We're going to talk to Dennis Rodman and uh, some other stuff up our sleeves. It's our uh, season debut on Fanatic Radio and blogtalkradio.com. Fanatic Radio. I have no decision-making capability on this program. It's the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's cars. Fanatic Radio on Lock Talk Radio.
Fanatic Radio. And whoever made the decision to give you this big fancy studio is an idiot. The reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's colors. Fanatic Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Oh, you are living la vida loca. Back here on Fanatic Radio, my gardener, Graham Burns. Flo had to go home, which reminds me, I want to give a, uh, a melancholy shout-out to uh, Madison Holleran and her family. Uh, for those that had not been following this story, she was a runner at the University of Penn. Flo actually knew her sister passed away. She committed suicide. And we encourage everyone to donate to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Fanatic Radio has already done their part for this. We encourage them to do the same. But on the flip side, after the break, Jack Brown Band, great music. Uh, interesting, we had some World Cup, um, yeah, talk about some World Cup talk as well. But uh, Dennis Rodman, a few weeks ago, went to North Korea to uh, give a, to play a birthday basketball game for uh, the Kim Jong-un. Went on CNN had this to say. Listen, listen, listen. Let me do this. Really, really, I want to tell you one thing. People around the world, around the world, I'm going to do one thing. You guy behind the mic right now, we are the guys here doing one thing. We have to go back to America and take the abuse. Do you have to take the abuse? Well, we're going to take it. Do you, sir? Let me know. Are you going to take the abuse? We're going to get it. But guess what, Joe? One day, one day, this door is going to open because these 10 guys here, all of us, Christy, Ben, Dennis, Charles, all these guys, I mean, everybody here, we could just open the door just a little bit for people to come here and do one thing. And Dennis Dennis makes a great point. There are other Americans here on this trip. You have to understand that uh, we're not alone. We're in passage with about 50 people. There are other Americans that have been to Korea, in and out of Korea. They're here on, on a tour. They're here with us. We interacted with them as well. This is like a plan of guys featuring Doug Christie and pretty much wash up to the NBA. Was Rodman in the right to do this? I just, I don't understand the relationship that him and Kim Jong-un have. I, never, I don't know how they met. I don't. Yeah, I don't. No one. I don't understand. How did they meet each other? No one knows how these two met, and yet he's, this is the second time he's been over there, and they just seem to have the best time ever together. So I mean, I guess everybody can find a friend. Uh, these two guys probably would struggle to do that in the real world. So, I mean, I don't know. It was just a confusing situation all around. And then Rodman checking into rehab. Uh, just a little while ago, after he was accused of violating U.N. sanctions for bringing luxury goods into North Korea. Oh, jeez. He's just, I just, his life is just all over the place. And, I mean. Well, this was the guy that notoriously married himself. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, I don't understand it. I, I, know, I understand what he's, he's trying to do, but I think he doesn't realize how much of a polar opposite North Korea is. Yeah. I mean, they just announced, I think it was either today or yesterday, that they landed a man on the sun, which uh, is physically impossible, but if they want to keep living in their fantasy land, be my guest. You mentioned uh, X Games during the break. Interesting tie to the X Games. It was announced uh, this week that Sean White said he would compete which uh, is a good and a bad thing because on the good side, it's a chance for him to showcase what more he can do. No, didn't he drop out again? I think he dropped. Did he? He like, dropped again. He said he wasn't going to race, or he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to board, and then uh, he said he was going to, and then like just a few days ago, he said he wasn't going to race. Oh, he did. He pulled out, which is smart because in that story first release, I thought this is the biggest mistake he could make, mm-hmm. considering that the Olympics are two weeks after the X Games and the risk of him getting hurt, mm-hmm. which would be awful because not only do you lose Lindsey Vaughn, who's already out for the Olympics because of her knee surgery, then you lose Sean White. So all you have left in these NBC pro- promos is like 
Peekaboo Street, Sean, and Sean Davis. And maybe some hockey players. And the guys from the U.S. hockey yeah. team. Smart decision from the pull out. Because what is this? Is what his third, extra third um, Olympics he competed in? Yeah. Sochi. Yeah. Or Torino. Vancouver. Vancouver and Sochi. Yeah. Other Olympic news. Uh, Lolo Jones is part of the U.S. bobsled team. Which is funny because those of you who don't know, who know who Lolo Jones is, and those of you who don't, she was the one that went on this rant on the Today Show after she lost in the 110-meter hurdles back in London, and then I think also lost again in Beijing. Yeah, and so she, I think she got second or third. Did she medal in that? In, uh, did she medal in London? I don't think she... She was either third or fourth. I remember she clipped a hurdle and uh, didn't end well for it. I don't think she won a medal. Yeah, so I think this is really... You get a lot of these summer athletes who are getting up there in their years and have come close to winning the medal, but haven't quite gotten there. And bobsled has become uh, a safe haven for them to fall back onto. Uh, multiple athletes have done this now, and uh, the U.S. Be- has become a lot more competitive in the bobsled, and this offers them an opportunity to accomplish their dream of winning the medal. Without worse than that, she didn't even medal at all. Oh, okay. Any, any, any of the two on the She has not medaled in the Olympics. She was a world champion uh, twice yeah. in 08 and 10. Yeah, and that, was for, that was for the indoor hurdles. Right, and then uh, she's world champion in 2013. Yeah. She's always struggled to... But now she's, in, now she's in bobsledding, and a lot of people were criticizing her again, as many were saying, oh, she's like Anna Kornikova, she has the looks but can't win. Yeah. But now she's going to try to win a, try to win a medal in another sport. I think it's cool that she's doing this. I think it is, too. I, I, I encourage I mean, of course, we, we try to set up a bobsled team, Snack Radio, and... Although the Jamaican team can get funding, we surprisingly couldn't. I don't know why. Maybe it's because we're not a. We, we're part of the uh, the IOC country that has unaffiliates. You know the ones that, like five people are running and dance around, and yeah. people are, like South Sudan and like the Seychelles and whatever. Yeah. But it's cool that she's jumping from a sport. Interesting to see how she had performed because she's apparently done really well. Yeah, she's. I mean, is she four or two? Is there only four for women? I think there's. Four. Okay, I think she's on the four team. I mean, the four team, the guy in the front steers, and the guy in the back, he's the last one. I mean, the middle two people don't do a whole lot, but uh, it's just cool to... Let's keep her uh, pushing. Which, you know, yeah, let's keep her pushing. saying she's very... She's one of the best push times uh, statistically in the U.S. team. Yeah, year. I wouldn't be surprised. But it's just kind of cool to see two, like a... Like a two-sport Olympic athlete, which hasn't someone who's had a, enough media coverage. Sure, she's got endorsements from Red Bull. Yeah. She's made these, these television appearances, a lot of sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Many would, you know, took a lot of flack because of what she did in London, and now it's like, oh, you weren't good at track, so you're just going to jump sports. I hope she wins. We encourage the USA. The only thing we don't encourage is the disgusting uniforms that they'll be walking out in the opening ceremonies. And our good friends at uh, Polo Ralph Lauren decided to um, make an entirely U.S.-made opening ceremony apparel after all the uh, the the hatred they got from American fans saying that a lot of the uh, the summer games the Blue Blazer with the fancy uh, fancy Kangol hat and, and pants were all made in China. Yeah. And so now they went all out and got wool from Los Angeles. They went up to like the Black Hills. It's just so Appalachians. Bad. And now they look like they are ugly Christmas sweaters. That's exactly what yeah, They're ugly Christmas sweaters. Look at all the prices on this. You can buy an ugly Christmas sweater off the end with the rings of flag in 2014 for $495. Oh, that's completely worth it. And you can get a cotton belt, uh, a reindeer hat. Those are 75 and 95 And I don't... The white pants are just, and they look like they're wearing ski boots. Those don't. Yeah, those boots are like three hundred bucks because yeah. we went on the uh, the website yesterday. Uh, but I mean, if, made, if it's made in America, it's great. Don't uh, use your credit card though, because you basically have nothing left. It's mm-hmm. kind of like going to the Super Bowl, which is funny of you. If you heard of the stuff that they're giving at the Super Bowl, you get a seat cushion for the fans. They've already like scalped five hundred dollar tickets to go. You get a seat cushion, and then inside you get you get earmuffs, a hat, like a neck scarf. It's, it's great. Let me start soon, though. Um, 
Super shout-outs to Jamaican Bob Sutton. Are you surprised they were able to raise money to go? I mean, that... For a second Cool Running? I mean, I was a 90s kid, so obviously I've seen Cool Running multiple times. No, it was just... That was just a great movie. Still is. And it's really cool to see these guys do what they did. It's just... It's an incredible accomplishment. It had a raise, I think it was $80,000. Yeah. IOC said, we'll pay for you to get there. You have to, you know, accommodate everything else once you get to getting to Sochi, which is in the middle of nowhere. Yep. MapQuest, literally in the middle of nowhere, close to the Black Sea, 60 miles away from just other civilization. Uh, and they give you the equipment, a sled. And so they're like, we need, and so last Saturday, uh, an AP ran a story featuring one of the, uh, one of the sledders, said we need 80000 to go. And then as of yesterday, they raised not just 80000 but 184000 mm-hmm. So they have just they have enough to go and then just money to blow, oodles of rubles to go to Russia. Yeah. I mean, Sochi, I think if the IOC can go back to whenever they voted for Sochi, I think uh, if they could have seen the future now, they would have definitely reconsidered this choice. Uh Olympic or American Olympic athletes have been encouraged to not wear uh, USA letters or colors outside of the Olympic Village because they don't want them uh, to be the target of terrorist attacks. Yeah, and that's a huge discussion. And multiple terrorist groups are in and around Sochi have threatened to bomb multiple events. A train that, a major transit uh, train that takes people from the surrounding countryside into Sochi to work was uh, bombed just uh, a few months ago. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, the kind of security. And I think they're spending over $30 billion on security for this. Is it worth it to the Olympics? It's, I have to say yes because it's the Olympics. And yeah, it's like the most watched. If, if they take the Olympics away, then what do we have? But it's just, it's so unnecessary. And I think in future years, they're really going to think about where they're having the Olympics held. That's what I don't think. It's, it's funny. That's what happens when you let old old guys, old geezers in, in, the, in the Alps and the mountains of Switzerland and France decide these things. Because it's, ironically, the IOC is almost the same as FIFA, mm-hmm. which, as we know, is having the World Cup in a country with some statistically one of the highest murder rates. And then the IOC is having the Olympics there. And then the Olympics are going to Rio. And apparently uh, one, of the, one of the stadiums for the Brazil soccer team is supposed to not be built on time. And that's the game that's going to be hosting what's uh, defending world champions Spain and Australia. And that's in July. And so then you have that. Then you have the World Cup going to Russia, Ukraine, which is ironic how the Olympics and World Cup have uh, flipped like that. Not that there's any conspiracies under the table, but there's 100% conspiracy under the table there. And then you have the World Cup going to Qatar, which they're still working on. Were they trying to work on, like, an air-conditioned stadium for... Well, they're trying to. They 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 want. They, there is one. There is one. There one. The Qatar's national stadium. Remember, Argentina played Brazil on a friendly when it was chosen back in 2012 or 2011. Okay. And now they're opting to move it to November, December, because the summers in Qatar are just too hot. Are hotter than you know the USA, DC, Miami combined, which is stupid because the soccer season goes from. Uh, essentially August to May. Yeah. It goes through, yeah, goes through the winter. goes through the winter. And so now, because the World Cup is changing, a lot of the European teams, a lot of the European federations want to change their schedule mm-hmm. to play in the summer, much like the MLS does here in America. Which is awful, because that's, that's taking like 100 years of soccer tradition. Yeah. And then the, the Winter Olympics are going to uh, Pyongyang in South Korea. And reading last night, the... Uh, the former IOC president, uh, Jacques Rogue, so they chose, it, chose, they chose Pyongyang in 2011, and the first time Jacques Rogue actually visited was 2013. Mm-hmm. So it, they definitely need to think of um, a lot of these things. Because the, the thing for the World Cup, FIFA issues a threat, saying basically no stadium, no match, as, um, yeah, it's, the stadium is, they're basically renovating it, fixing it, building it. And 
the big discussion is that I want to expand it, and it's 90% complete, but has little progress since the end of November when it was so-called 88% done. And now you got issues of workers not getting paid in Brazil, and you have all the um, violence, and then you have violence here. You have it's a very, very interesting Olympics, especially for our generation. The first Olympics I truly remember was the um, winner was Salt Lake in 02. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't even remember where it was in 98. South Korea in 98? I know 2000 was Sydney for summer. Yeah, that's the first Olympics, first true Olympics yeah. I remember. Because it was, yeah, Salt Lake, Torino, Vancouver, and now Sochi. This is the Olympics that's been, you know, harded on on the gay rights, how poorly Russia treats them, and now you got the terrorist threats, and you have the United States having warships in the Black Sea just in case for evacuation. Mm-hmm. It reminds me a lot of the 04 Olympics in Athens when a lot of people had terrorist threats there. The USA basketball team actually stayed on a ship. Yeah. And then we all know who that team did. That was the team with yeah. Larry Brown and... That might have explained a... And Allen Iverson yeah. and Tracy McGrady, they got embarrassed. Didn't even. I think got bronze. They got bronze. Yeah. They looked like absolute clowns. Should be interesting going forward. Just to mention the Olympics are February sixth. We will send a Fnatic radio correspondent over to Sochi, as we are trying to get the money to do it, and uh, and of course we can't, which is great. Uh, college football season is over. Notre Dame gets the largest deal in college sports, moving from Adidas to Under Armour. Uh, Florida State wins the national championship. Johnny Manziel goes to the NFL. What other big news in college football do we have? Um, you happy Florida State won? Yeah, I didn't watch the Auburn. I'm tired of the SEC and everything. But uh, especially I'm tired of the SEC hating each other during the regular season. And then as soon as the SEC team wins the national championship, they say, oh, well, we're just supporting the SEC. We're happy with the I don't care how, like, I just don't care. If you're an Auburn fan, you're not going to be cheering for – in Alabama or in LSU in the national championship, even if they are the SEC, it doesn't make sense to me. So I was kind of tired of that kind of mentality. So it was good to see a team from a conference that has struggled in sports in recent years. Well, sports, basketball are pretty good. Yeah, and, well, yeah, definitely in football. But now in football, you had the ACC teams in the past have been Virginia Tech, which lost. Uh, yeah, the, the Wake Forest team a few years ago. Yeah. They're just, they've always been, like, maybe at best nine and three teams uh, out of the ACC. And now with the resurgence of both Clemson and Florida State, it's good to see uh, Florida, or, uh, it's good to see some parity uh, in college football. James Winston's a hero, isn't he? I, I don't... He's a uh, great um, oral speaker, if I do say so myself. Yeah. That, that guy's had a crazy year. Yeah. And... We'll be the next, um, I won't say the next, but uh, for college football, two guys that are leaving, going to the pros, Javion Clowney and Johnny Manziel, who had the uh, more disappointing season out of those two? I think it's definitely Clowney. I mean, Manziel put up the same stats he did last year. It's just his defense was an absolute black hole for points. And uh, so he statistically performed just as well. And I think it was like he threw five touchdowns against Alabama and Alabama had, like, five touchdowns thrown against them the entire rest of the year, excluding uh, their last two games against uh, was, who they lose to, Oklahoma State and Auburn. Mis- no. No, they lost to Oklahoma State in the uh, Sugar Bowl? One of those. Who? No, not Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State played Missouri. They lost to Oklahoma. Yeah, that was a great game, but just how ridiculous Manziel stepped up. In that game against Duke where he hurdled a defensive lineman and then threw a touchdown pass. He tried to, yeah. Yeah, it was just incredible. And I think it would benefit him a lot if he went later in the draft because I think him having to go into a situation uh, in, say, Jacksonville or I don't even, or Cleveland. Or Cleveland. Well, Mel Kuyper has him number one, which would have him going to the Houston Texans. I could see it. Which would be great. I could he's see, back basically yeah, taking his home. And down. I could see him succeeding because the Texans aren't a 2-14 and 14 team. That was just an absolute embarrassment for them. But you could also see the Texans potentially trading away the uh, number one pick. But I think uh, 
Teddy Bridgewater's kind of fallen off a little bit. He did have some ridiculous plays this season, but I think Johnny Manziel will be the better NFL quarterback. The guy I think is a great NFL quarterback is uh, the dude from Central Florida. Yeah. That guy has played in um, – he looked great. I mean, obviously he's playing Baylor, which has a, a worse defense than Man on the Moon, but yeah. he, looked, he looked great. The, the good NFL players, though, is Benjamin, the wide receiver from Florida State. He'll be a good receiver. Um, I think A.J. McCarron could do well. He'd be, he'd be a solid backup like when Aaron Rodgers was coming out of college. The only sad thing is you rarely see that nowadays. You rarely see backups maturing following good quarterbacks and then taking over. Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot more of a crap with, now. Yeah, because with Rodgers, it was, uh, he was behind a future Hall of Fame and Brett Favre. And you just, like, knew he was going to take over the mantle. And they didn't really know, like, he would be as good as he was, but they knew he was going to be a good quarterback. Tom Brady was the same. He was behind <laughs> Drew Bledsoe. Yeah, that was a little different. Drew Bledsoe, I don't know. And Brady was kind of, like, thrown on into the fire there. Uh, and I think nobody thought he was ready. And he's was an unbelievable overachiever for the first few years of, years of his career. And then he really developed some football intelligence. Lazy McCarron, I think he'll be a good quarterback just because he plays underneath literally, like, a pretty much a pro system Yeah, with um, Nick Saban. Who's the big guys to watch out for next year? Big teams for college football? Yeah. I mean, you got Florida State bringing back Jameis Winston, um, obviously. Uh, Texas is going to look good. Charlie Strong is a new head coach. Uh, I still that guy has probably the toughest job. Yeah, sure. Oh, I would the toughest agree. job in the country right now. Because Nick Saban, obviously, he'll get back into the hunt. And now it's a playoff system, so he'll probably make the playoffs because yeah. they have the best running back. They, have, well, they will have the best running back in the country. That guy, a freshman mm-hmm. who, who ripped through the Oklahoma defense. Oklahoma could be good next year. Oklahoma definitely has, especially with the confidence that uh, their quarterback games from absolutely tearing apart Alabama defense. But team to watch next year, I think, is definitely Michigan State. They return both their starting quarterback and their starting running back from this year. They do lose uh, their starting um, cornerback, who's probably going to be the first cornerback taken in the NFL draft. But uh, they always have a solid defense, and the Big Ten usually plays solid defense in general. But uh, in Alabama, of course, you got to watch out for. Oregon brings back Marcus Mariota, but I never think they're going to seriously threaten for a national championship. It's always sad. That team has – They're so much fun to watch, but then they always blow it. They always lose that one game, yeah. Usually Stanford. UCLA, yeah, UCLA number seven. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing is Jim Morris, uh, their head coach, who used to go to the Seahawks, ironically, before Pete Carroll took over. Um, he's, an, he's an enlisted sort of a pro offense mm-hmm. there. And they didn't really yeah, they have the and their quarterback, Brett Unley, is coming back, and he was projected to be a potential first-rounder if he declared. So they should be interesting. That's pretty much it. And that, I mean, South Florida stayed in the top 25, and they knew, even knew they existed before this year. That's funny. Big, big year for Florida. Yeah, UCF doing well. Florida Gulf Coast did well. And it's Florida Gators tanked. Florida. Yeah. Exactly. But one one thing that Snack uh, Radio definitely wants to bring back is... And we got the funk. Oh, well, uh, glory be, the funk's on me, Bobby. Keep that funk alive. Keep that funk alive. Mm. Well, it's 1975, and we'll just be keeping the funk alive. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Tweets from Flow has returned for 2014. Basically, we go to twitter.com slash bflow360, and obviously he is a degenerate as he left, but he went home for good reasons. He'll be back next week to talk about the Super Bowl. But we basically go to his Twitter and ask him what are the things he tweeted. But we'll do that, and also a new segment we're doing on Fnatic Radio called Thumbs Up, Thumbs Down, which is anything in the world of pop culture, or more of sport, the sports stories you failed to get uh, get to, and um, we'll do that first. I'll start off with uh, first tweets from Flo, basically on his Twitter. He has a new picture, which was ironically the picture I sent him. This is a, a screenshot of him when I was producing the American Lafayette game on the Patriot League Network, and now he has it as his picture, which is is fantastic. Uh, a lot of stuff about the blog. He recently tweeted, always love it when people decide they're going to blog 
when they study abroad, I'm always on the edge of my seat for your exploits. Which this is this is this real I can understand what this relates to is uh, our good friend Zach Mendel, who's a diehard Michigan fan, and that's pretty much it. And he's and he's all of a sudden an obsessive Broncos fan. He's a bandwagoner because his girlfriend's from Steamboat. But we love you, Zach. Know our feelings. He made the comment when we were watching the championship game last championship Sunday last week that uh, he hates when people blog when they go abroad because they're all the same. With, you know, with minor tweaks. Mm-hmm. And so one of my good friends is going to uh, France next week to study abroad. And you know, he, he's doing his classic trolling. And apparently a few hours after this, she told me that she unfriended him on Facebook. <laughs> so that's that. Uh, looks like a back, his background picture is uh, Gerald Ford. And I don't know who the guy next to him is. Is it Gerald Ford? No. no, I don't think that's true. I think he's a guy from The Sopranos. Yeah, that definitely is. Looks like Gerald Fudd. This guy is definitely from The Sopranos. And uh, his Twitter bio says, nice guy. That's debatable. But um, I will start off with the thumbs up, thumbs down. Give Graham basically some time to think about it. My thumbs up goes to the Super Bowl because you have two number one seeds which is great. Two of the best teams in the league, which have been the best teams in the league, which is great. And after a Super Bowl for the first time with cold conditions since, I think the game against, uh, in uh, Tulane Stadium, way, way back. I think it was the low in that game, like 36, maybe? Yeah, well, I think it's, uh, 39 was the, uh, the lowest. Okay. But that's a thumbs up. Yeah, 1972 was the last time it was a cold Super Bowl. Commissioner Goodell said we chose New York because it's, we're getting back to our roots of football. Uh, football's played in the outdoors. Working at the Hall of Fame this summer, I can definitely stand by that statement 110%. Back when they had leather helmets, no pads, cuts and bruises, and uh, Pepsi at halftime is the new commercial yep. says. That's a thumbs up. Um, Want me to do my thumbs up? Yeah, yeah, do thumbs up. Uh, thumbs up to the entirety of college basketball for uh, an excellent season so far. Uh, the new hand-checking rules, although they were very prevalent early on. We criticized them. We, we criticized them. And uh, it's really, uh, there have been no extreme cases of low-scoring games or extreme cases of uh, over foul. I mean, the Arkansas-Kentucky game being maybe the one exception where some maybe too many fouls were called. But overall, that turned into a great finish. That was an excellent Who would have thought a putback slam would win the game? But in terms of parity, I mean, I could, I think any of the top 10 teams, I think any of the top 25 teams really has a shot in the tournament to potentially go to the Elite Eight. And I think any of the top 10 I could see in the Final Four. Yeah, because you have Wichita State is currently undefeated. And they silence all, I mean, they, their biggest competition so far in their conference has been Indiana State. And they silence everybody, I, well, they haven't silenced them, but they went, they, pretty, pretty, they destroyed Indiana State, who was their biggest competition. So they're definitely the favorite. Much like AU did, the Boston. Yeah, they're pretty much the odds-on favorite to go undefeated. The only other team, I think, sure may undefeated is Syracuse. Maybe there's another. Syracuse and Arizona. I mean, Arizona, it looks, yeah. It looks fantastic yeah. this year. They could win. The, I think if they were Syracuse is going to win the Final Four. Because Syracuse is, is not the old Syracuse that played in the Big East. So they're not going to get beaten up every night. And, and when they go to Madison Square Garden, not playing in the St. John's and the South Floridas. And when, well, when they and when they went to the Big East tournament, being a Syracuse fan myself, it almost felt like a surrogate uh, NCAA tournament. You got almost excited about the Big East tournament. So I wonder if taking away some hype from their tournament schedule will put a little more emphasis on the NCAA. Well, Michigan State, Tom Izzo, all of his, so all, all of his yeah. players have each of his players he's ever had has always played in a Final Four if they stay for four years. So I think, and he's due for one because they haven't been to one in three years. So I mean, you definitely got to watch out for them as always. Then you also have the low-ranked team that could easily make make some noise. Uh, Creighton, who is unranked yet destroyed Villanova. Yeah. It was uh, their only loss is to Creighton, mm-hmm. and they're number four in the country. Creighton's good. Pitt has been a dark horse. Kansas State has uh, you know, back and forth. Yeah, they've been back and forth. Michigan is up and coming, though. They, those, they those, are the teams, those are the teams that usually a lot of people don't know. Mm-hmm. 
And then uh, my thumbs down is to Justin Bieber. Uh, as as most as most of America, a little in the world knows, he got arrested for DUI and speeding yesterday in South Beach, which is hilarious because here's a kid that has already been hated by a lot of people, and for reasons I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why. I guess he's one that everyone loves to hate. Yeah. But um, you got guys like Keyshawn Johnson and uh, Hall of Fame running back Eric Dickinson mad at him because he's speeding down the streets of L.A., and he finally gets caught, and it's like, this is what we need, more more beaver fever in the news. Uh, my only hope is I hope he gets locked up. Of course, he'll get bailed out and continue to troll the rest of the world as he's starting to slowly see what uh, reality is. He has my thumbs down. Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely going to gonna have to go with Richard Sherman on this one. I... I'm a Jets fan, so I've always been a Revis fan. And uh, uh, he came out today, and Revis came out and said uh, he still believes he's the best. But when Revis was in his prime, I mean, he still won't be, he, he's by no stretch of the imagination out of the NFL. But he never blatantly did anything like this. And just like it's, it's just Sherman just took the emphasis away from the sport of football and just put all the spotlight on himself. And that frustrates me more than anything in the NFL is when players take away from what the rest of their team did. He made one good play. Meanwhile, Marshawn Lynch made consistently play after play. And guys on the 49ers made more play. Kaepernick deserves an MVP award in that game more than he does. Because he made one play. And although it was an excellent play, it's just it's detrimental to the entire sport of football when he does something like this. Well, he, he also had a commissioner saying the other day he wants Richard Sherman to represent himself in the best way possible, which is funny because after this play, Pete's by Dre releases a, 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 a hidden commercial, which I don't understand why they're not playing on television, and ironically how they made a commercial. But he's not, he's not an idiot. He's not, he, went to, he went all four yeah. years at Stanford. He was trying, he was trying to get his master's. Played for Jim Harbaugh on a Rose Bowl with Jim Harbaugh. Uh, David, I think he wanted David Shaw. Maybe. No. He wanted, bowl, he wanted an Orange Bowl with Jim Harbaugh because okay. he was on the Andrew Luck team. And he is one of the best he is one of the best defensive players in the game. Yeah. Because he was on the, he was on the NFL preview Sports Illustrated, and he anchors a secondary that's very good. Oh, yeah. The, there's the no, Legion of Boom. There's no doubt they're the best secondary in football, but it's the way they handle themselves that – really takes away from the sport. And then you have every right saying Fox should never have interviewed him. Yeah. I, I think they should have seen that one coming. Yeah, no no kidding. Because <laughs> a lot of people are mad by saying uh, Crabtree is the victim. Well, to be fair to him, Michael Crabtree did not, he didn't catch what would have been the touchdown to send him into the Super Bowl. Yeah. And the last thing you want is the guy defending you, slap you on the butt, and hold his hand out. Yeah. No emotions cooled off whatsoever. No. That's why Miles Gardner's football, I have no tolerance for that. But hey, that's why I'm a radio host. And of course, that will do it for this week's episode of Fanatic Radio. We will be in New York, New Jersey to cover the Super Bowl on Radio Row next uh, next Friday. Uh, big thanks, big shout out to uh, American University goalkeeper Billy Knudsen, who's drafted in the MLS fourth round by his hometown team, the San Jose Earthquakes. He's actually flying out there today begin a training camp because he still has to make the team, which is hypothetical and good good chances for him because there are two teams currently on the two goalies currently on the roster. John Bush is one of them. He's 37 years old. Also, I think the uh, USA men's soccer plays tonight against uh, South Korea in a friendly. That, uh, or maybe that's next week. Either, either or. Watch it because these are guys that, obviously, they're the guaranteed players. These are the guys that will make a difference in... Uh, Brazil. <laughs> we're coming to America. We're gonna break that story. We're gonna be the first. Over uh, Ben Florence, Instagram Mike Gardner saying so long this year, next week on uh, Mac Radio.